Did that work out? All right. Oh, yeah. I, saw, yeah, I even saw that. Great. Cool. All righty. So um, <clears throat> welcome to the second episode of Engineers Drinking Engineers drink beers, engineers drinking beers, engineers. One of the two. We'll get the title figured out at some point. Mm -hmm. Hi, I'm your host, uh, Tom Lamb, and I'm a senior software engineer at Quantum Mob. And team lead. Oh, yeah, I'm team lead, yep. Yeah, team lead. And I'm joined by? Uh, my name is Yahati. I am a senior software engineer and team lead, uh, software engineer lead, some might say. And there's also uh, Matt. I'm also a senior software engineer and team lead at Quantum Up. And uh, so today uh, we had actually asked for some questions, but we're not popular enough to get questions on such a short notice. So that's fine. Uh, we got some stuff with that we decided we were going to talk about. Um, today we're going to talk about what we're going through right now as we're working remotely and uh, dealing with uh, the COVID uh, pandemic and just what, what that means for us uh, from a work perspective, but also from just uh, what it's like to be going through this stuff. And the other thing we're going to talk about is Tatsu's going to enlighten us about observables. Yes, yes, I will. And um, Matt, you had a good point about, um, if you don't really know what you're talking about and, but you want to be involved in the conversation, do you want to just flesh that out a little bit? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to be, uh, I guess playing the dumb guy in the room, asking the questions, uh, and just kind of like bouncing ideas. So like if, if there's something that I don't understand, I'm sure that the listener can, you know, benefit from hearing a kind of brief explanation of that. So I think that'll be a good contribution to the whole observables conversation. And then I also do have my own uh, naive understanding of all of that in general. And then I think we were also going to talk about kind of a just real life kind of scenarios that we're already dealing with in our, you know, work lives, personal lives, whatever. So that seemed like an interesting topic kind of around, you know, how we think about managing projects. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know. So which one should we start with guys? What do you think? Uh, maybe COVID -19. COVID -19. Yeah. Yeah. That's top of mind for whoever is still alive. For which one? It's top of mind for whoever is still alive. Well, yeah. Which, which thing though? Like the, the, the COVID thing or? The COVID thing. COVID now. Yeah. All right. You want to talk about that? All right. So you have to, you want to lead? Sure. So uh, it's interesting. I was just about to take my vacation and uh a few days ago, there was an announcement that we were all going to need to work from home for our own safety. And I just thought that was really interesting because, uh, you know, I kept hearing news from lots of different uh, kinds of people who work in lots of different kinds of places. And they, you know, their work uh, sort of life was really affected by this because um, they, they really engage with people on sort of like a very personal uh and they're not necessarily building projects and, and we're, we're we're a group of people that build projects as engineers but the first thing i really felt was how grateful i was to be in uh, a field that allowed us to still work and still engage with people uh even now what i'm i'm not necessarily worried about my welfare but i'm worried about the welfare of my teammates and their personal lives uh but uh in terms of uh 
being able to come together and do things here we are uh, because we work in this field and you know for anyone who's interested in being uh, a software engineer you know if if work security is something that uh, interests you then this is this is something this is one of the advantages that you, you would get you just the ability to still work and, and still contribute and still be part of a team uh, no matter almost no matter the situation at what it's just yeah, good absolutely. to know that our job survives worldwide pandemics. Uh, you know, it's just it's just a great feeling. Yeah. Um, so one thing for me, I I guess like with the looming global recession um, that was already probably on the way, but also the fact that COVID is kind of compounding that problem. <clears throat> it was kind of this, and you're hearing about all these layoffs and all these industries where workers are being let go. Um, Nice thing with software is that I guess if you could just imagine, um, like the internet is just so crucial for our economy, um, and there's so many products that we depend on. I guess what I'm saying is like software engineers are kind of like a an essential uh, uh, capability. Um, so I feel like we have fairly good job security, even if the kinds of things we're going to be working on are going to change over the next few months. Um, but stuff like just keeping just keeping the internet up, keeping different applications that people depend on up is going to become more and more critical because we need to use the internet to connect instead of using um, real space. So that was kind of something for me, like one an application that I use fairly often just like went down briefly. And I think it was just because of my own internet. And I was like, oh, imagine if this thing actually went down. Um, that would be considering what's going on with the pandemic, that would be very inconvenient and even potentially, you know, disruptive. Uh, but yeah, so I think it is like one, we can work remotely, uh, but also I think we're very important uh, as far as uh, uh, like keeping infrastructure going. I think it's like, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's really interesting to be kind of like in an industry that, um, yeah, I guess it's going to keep running or keep operating uh, in spite of all of the chaos going on around us. Um, you know, I might have made a poor decision in going out, but earlier today I went out to the uh, the Starbucks to grab a coffee. I just couldn't couldn't deal with it. Yeah. Needed to wake up, right? But uh, like talking yeah. to the co- like the workers there, uh, it was like really eye opening because like. I'm a little sheltered, like just, you know, most of the people that I talk to day to day are developers or in tech. And, you know, like I hadn't really considered everybody else in, in certain circumstances. And it's, it's, it's really sad to see. And it's kind of scary. Um, what would I like, at least the, on the plus side, you know, um, our government seems to be, you know, going another way to make some decisions that are going to help people financially and, you know, offer loans to people if they need it, which is, I mean, it's not the best solution to the problem. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be use. Like it's not going to be a positive for everyone, but no, I don't know. Like it's, it's, it's going to soften so the much. blow though. I think it's going to soften yeah. the blow and it's going to buy some time. There's uh, some initiatives too about like cutting, cutting back on mortgages, uh, mm-hmm. deferring mortgages for six months. I think I heard is something that's and then student debt as well. They're going to make it interest free for six months, which is, you know, good their lungs and probably just getting into the industry yeah yeah so that could be a big thing because i know like 
some of us even on this call right now like have have had large student loans that they had to deal with um mm -hmm. i didn't have to i went to the army so i just had to like spend five years in the army for my education but i wouldn't recommend that by the way but uh <laughs> i mean it's okay but uh yeah no i uh, yeah so it's uh yeah it's a little bit overwhelming it's kind of hard to wrap your head around mm -hmm. i don't know um we could talk too about like um what we're doing to like transition. Do you guys want to talk about like what we're doing? We're transitioning into remote work or. Yeah. I'd love to talk yeah. about kind of just like the process of getting into it. Like I've worked kind of, I've worked remote in the past when I was like freelancing and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really different when you have a team that's kind of used to being on site and very in touch is that like most of my day-to-day -day, you know outside of just like the project stuff is kind of like someone taps me on the shoulder and asks me a question um and i feel like that's mostly because you know i'm like i'm just around and they can see me and they're like oh yeah matt might know about this um that is really hard to replicate in an online like virtual environment where you know it's it's more like i feel like in person there's always that level of serendipity um and you get that kind of like chance encounter or chance opportunity to help somebody and it just happens to be there and trying to do the same by just you reaching out to them is a lot harder to keep it's like a you know it's like a webhook versus a polling system right like <laughs> i have to keep you know you have to keep reaching out and and checking in and making sure and if that doesn't go through i know bad joke but yeah uh, <laughs> i don't know it's 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 very different and for me at least, um, yeah, I, I'm really recognizing the difference between like having a full on like team that works remotely. pretty cohesively uh, yeah. versus that kind yeah, of like, absolutely. yeah, remotely one-off individual, individual contributor that works kind of independently most of the time, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, absolutely. I, uh, so the other problem was, <sighs> I, I think it kind of happened a little like it didn't, it wasn't like there was like a demarcation point where it was like, okay, we're going to start doing this. It was kind of like, if you want to work from home, it wouldn't be a bad idea. So then I started to, but I was kind of thinking I'll come back on Monday and then Monday rolled around. I was like, no, we're not, we're not going back for, for now. I'm very, very thankful for our, our employers being really proactive, but um, so it kind of stuck up on me and I was basically just like, working wherever I felt like it. And then I decided to set up a proper office. Luckily I got the space to have my own office, uh, which I'm sure a lot of people don't have. But the other thing I was thinking about was like, okay, so one thing I noticed was people were like, okay, well I'll exercise like all every two hours, I'll just do a couple push-ups and stuff. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to work. I think um, one thing people do when they transition from in office to remote, is they abandon their schedule because they think a schedule is something they use to connect with someone else. But like, I think a schedule is something you do to mark chunks of time in your day away so that things that matter to you get done. And like this idea that you'll like go for a couple of walks during the day is like, if you don't schedule things, they won't happen because, because when Slack turns on in the morning, it just starts barfing stuff at you and you just start reacting. So one thing I did was actually like, cause I said, I was like, Oh, I, I don't have to like book a workout anymore. I could just work out throughout the day. And then I didn't do that for four days. And I was like, okay, well this sucks. So now I'm going to actually like have a workout time between four thirty and five. 
and uh, it's only half an hour, but like it had, it, it helps. Um, so that was one thing that I, I thought helped. It was just yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, at least for me, some of, some of the stuff I was thinking about was how uh, this is going to be such a fundamental change for a lot of people. I mean, people who. I guess, at least in terms of companies and how they treat people, what the expectations are, like whatever company is successful in this mechanism is going to be a company that, uh, at least in terms of, and by mechanism, I mean remote work, uh, and seeing how that, you know, that, how that it maintains its productivity, um, is they're going to now have a competitive advantage for high quality uh, people who uh, can essentially do this type of work. Uh, and of course, they're going to have a global advantage because of that. So, because uh, there's more people who can work remotely that are good than they are people then they can even get or people who are good that are local uh, so that's going to be an interesting um, it's going to be an interesting um, sort of shift few years huh? yeah like a shift it's going to be definitely a shift because now you have to do it right as opposed to before it was an option uh, and it, yeah. people's personal preferences were sort of would buttress that option right so you know it's going to be interesting I mean I'm not sure I'm just making a prediction sort of seeing i'm not you know i don't know if this is going to happen for sure but i think it's a really I, good I prediction imagine, man yeah i can imagine a world where people who've been with your significant other kids dogs for the whole day uh say i actually prefer this and it can still do a good job so i'm going to go where that is always going to be true uh and i think i think that that might be an interesting world we're going to live in and this is this is a forced experiment at the end of the day so Whoever's listening, I think that's, you know, I don't know. I've thought about it quite a bit the whole time, right? Like, I've, I've thought about what, you know, if yeah. being at home is, it's whatever environment you need to be productive. If you have apps, because all that's happening on in, in offices is some sort of simulation of the average best play, way to create a space for people to feel productive, right? Mm -hmm. But the best way to do that is to have your own space that you feel mm -hmm. productive. Yeah. So if you know, as a personal, yeah, it's, it's hard to build that. Like in an office, it's just it's impossible. It's just everybody has their own thing. Uh, so, you know, I think yeah, it's just gonna be interesting. Like I think it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting few years. So let's see. I mean, it may not happen. It may happen, but we'll see. So one thing you said was kind of like your sorry, man, Matt. Do you want to go ahead? No, or? no problem. Well, just uh, yeah, go ahead, Matt. Yep. Sorry. I, I, yeah, like I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I think that there's definitely like a big piece here that we have to kind of figure out um, because I think you're right. Like it's going to be a big change coming forward. I mean, this is kind of like an unprecedented, unexpected kind of push for that. Um, and I, I've known that like a lot of people that I know that have worked remote kind of struggle with that, you know, that whole social piece and a lot of that stuff. And what I've noticed is that a lot of the people that are like a lot further along in their career they're a bit older they've got families they've got kids right like they're the ones that really thrive in this environment and then there's like you know the whole digital nomad craze but like it's it's it is hard to kind of replicate a lot of the the built-in like social environment that kind of comes with the workplace and i think that like you know the companies that thrive are going to almost have to make like uh, a pretty intentional uh, shift, right? They're gonna have to, we're gonna have to come up with these sorts of systems that kind of replicate the physical environment that we're kind of used yeah. to, um, and it's hard. Like, I mean, like like Tom was saying, like with the 
the whole like exercising thing. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm used to going out to a yoga studio after work every night to just kind of de-stress. And my first thought was like, oh yeah, I'm just going to go to yoga. And I'm like, oh fuck, I can't, of course I can't go to yoga. It's like 20 people in a room sweating. Like there's, that's the worst area to be. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of build in those systems. And I think like it's going to take a huge mind shift, like, at least for myself, especially. Like, uh, yeah. I, I think I've noticed that. Uh, yeah. So another thing I was thinking now, you said that, sorry, go ahead, Tom. You're good. You're good. So another thing I was thinking now that you just said that, because that was coming from one perspective, coming from a different perspective is also, it's like, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, what, how does this affect the community? Cause now you just said something about yoga studio. Mm -hmm. uh would this reinvigorate the community a little bit more than it used to is there you know when you're you have a dog you want to walk your dog it's you don't have to and you you don't have to bring it to the office so you walk your dog in your near your house all of a sudden you get to know more of your community right because yeah the kids are out at two uh and i'm saying this like i have kids but i do not but the kids are out at two, so you, you work your dog at 2.30, all of a sudden you know little Timmy who was, you know, it's just a different sort of reality, right? You're more, you know, if you want to go to a coffee shop, you're going to the coffee shop near your house. You're doing that at, in the morning, in the evening, sorry, morning, in the afternoon, and, you know, it's just everything is more local. So things start, you know, it's almost like when Pokemon Go became a thing, and then all of a sudden you're like, wow, there's that many people in this area? I had no idea. Uh, so, I don't know. It's just an interesting... There's a, there's a chef's back. One thing I, uh, yeah, back and exactly. It's interesting. It's, it's a shift back, but a shift forward. It's like, it's like, we don't need these like metropolitan areas to do work. Cause like one of the yeah. things that this is kind of exposing, or maybe, maybe if like some companies do evolve and they get really good at remote work and they actually become more productive because they can leverage this, like it's, it's a possibility that like shifting to remote work could cause more productivity if it's properly managed because less. So, no, I agree with you because when I want to be productive, I work from home mm -hmm. yep. because I'm not traveling anymore. So I just get up, get what I need to get done. And you can throttle notifications. And you can throttle notifications. Exactly. You can't, you can't throttle people poking you on the shoulder. Exactly. Um, but there is a disadvantage in that like, because it's only notifications, mm -hmm. your communications are less. Mm -hmm. So you have to be careful. You know, they, they will, at the end of the day, what Matt was talking about in the beginning was absolutely true. Uh, the very beginning, which is this, because there's no tap on the shoulder, there is that, uh, you know, there, the feedback loop uh, for, for help or for just sheer interaction is going to be, you know, one thing I did notice is that the, you know, because I'm lucky enough to have a little bit of responsibility, uh, I can't unblock people as, as well as I, use, I can if I'm there. So I'm going home only to work for my own stuff. And even then I, I have a problem. It's when you want that heads on, like hand, heads down, like hands on time, right? You're trying to get yeah. something accomplished. You have to have a specific task in mind. Like that's yeah. what I've noticed, especially like being kind yeah. of like, you know, so I guess a bit of context, um, right before Yatu left, um, I was asked to like kind of come on for the week and to help on this project, uh, um, just to fill in while he's away. And, you know, that happened to be the week that we went fully remote as a company. And it was kind of interesting, uh, our <laughs> transition. Um, and so, so what I've noticed is because that um, I'm in that situation, right? I don't have um, currently um, super concrete tasks that are kind of 
set out. Like we're trying to figure out how I can unblock people and, and like what I can do to kind of help people out. And as a result of that, I'm, I'm left with like, you know, you've got that heads down focus time. Um, but when you're like in a position where you're kind of like figuring things out, exploring things, like it's a lot harder to do that. Um, I think on your own, right. Um, what's interesting is that the conversations that we have during say a, a zoom call or a morning standup is now a lot more useful versus when you're in the office, because that's the point in time when you're kind of problem solving and figuring things out. And then at the very least, you've got something to work off. Yeah, that, but if you don't have that and you aren't necessarily, yeah, sorry. No, no, that, that, that totally makes sense. Um, the other thing I was kind of, yeah, it's it, the other thing is like, um, if you're in the office, so I guess the first thing people learn how to do is to speak a language and then they learn how to write a language after. Mm. So like, when you're in the office and you're stuck, you could literally like look over at like a teammate and be like, Hey, can I just like hit you up for a second and talk to you about something? And then like a lot of times what you see when people are problem solving is the first couple of like the first 30 seconds or two minutes are going to be like just offloading emotional, emotional baggage. Like they're just going to like, they're going to vent a little bit, right. They're going to deload. And then like, a, like, like a team lead, somebody that like studies like, or somebody that's a good team lead is going to like listen for like, like cues. They're going to look at body language. They're going to see if somebody's stressed out. And so there's all this nonverbal communication. That's like, just like hardwired into how we are as human beings that can get conveyed. And it's like, it's, there's a lot of bandwidth to that. There's a lot of like stuff that can come out. One, you can, you can like lower your stress levels just by talking about that shit, but you're not going to be able to do that if there's not another human being to like empathize and listen to you. And like, just, I, I, I don't know how many times I've literally said like, Hey, can I ask you a question? And I'll start explaining my code to somebody using my mouth and then I'll start talking about it. And then I'll realize like, I've actually, there's just this really stupid mistake that I'm making. And I, when I was walking through it with another person that I trusted and I felt like they were listening to me as a human and then they're listening to me as an engineer. It's like there's these levels of like making a connection and when you make that connection, you actually start to like, Oh, okay, now I don't feel stressed. And now I feel like I can really think about this clearly. Oh, look at that. I'm making a mistake. And like, I think that's at least 20 or 30% of the conversations engineers have in real space. The mm -hmm. problem is, is that if you initiate a conversation with a Slack message, the first thing you try to do is like figure out how to write that message. So you don't waste the other person's time. At least that's what I try to do. I try to like, I don't want to just like start arguing at someone. So maybe one thing is like, these like rapid, quick little like, hey, can I just like call you because, and of course the person can say no if they're in the middle. It's like, I just wanna have a conversation with a human being, which is yeah. something that I feel like, like when I, like, I feel like pretty dumb, like at least 10 or 15 times per day. That's probably just me. But me too. so I find like there's only two kinds, there's two groups. There's the kind that will freely admit they feel dumb and they're usually, I'm patting myself on the back, but also you too, buddy. But they're usually people that are actually quite smart and their ego is so well managed that they're okay with admitting if they don't know something because they've spent a lot of time learning a lot of other things and they have confidence. And then there's another group that's like, they don't want to ever admit they don't know anything because they always want to act like they're the smartest person in the room. But anyway, so yeah, it's one thing is like, if you're in a remote setting, just to quickly reach out, yeah. 
uh, just to quickly reach out and be like, hey, can we can we just pat, like can we just chat for a minute um, so I can one offload the stress that I have and two explain what I'm trying to do and then three try to present to you what I'm doing so that four maybe you can help me like that's kind of like it's a, I don't know do you know what I mean? Does that no, make no, sense? no, no, I agree with that. Yeah. yeah, I agree with that 100. Like this idea of rubber ducking and how that feels when you're talking to a person and how that feels more kind of more silly when you're just talking to an actual rubber duck. So it's like uh, so the rubber ducking is like you take a <laughs> desk <laughs> okay i just said a bunch of random words right now but like yeah you, I, I, like, yeah i love it man yeah. i love it yeah you put it so i actually had a friend who had a rubber duck that had like a that was just a skeleton of a duck and it was just like this is just too much but you basically yeah, or you have a puppy uh yeah. but yeah you put it on the desk and you talk to it or i and you uh you know this is under the guys that I, maybe you don't have anyone near you but uh, but it's sort of, but you know, talking to a person is a lot better because you get to that person gets to respond, and response is undervalued these days. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's, uh, that's so funny because I was gonna say that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, like it's like so you, yeah, you get the I, physical I, rubber duck nose somewhere. Sorry, I my bad. No, 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 go ahead. It, no, no, I just cut between there, so I thought that you were <laughs> done. Oh, my bad, my bad. Um, no, no, I, I just agree, like hundred percent, like. I, I was going to say something pretty similar. So I, just, I just thought that was like pretty funny. Same vein. Yeah. But I think the key uh, takeaway from what we were just talking about was just like, maybe as like a team lead too, like um, the things that a good team lead will do in the office, they should try to figure out how to recreate those situations with their team members in, in um, you know, remotely. Or whatever that, whatever that means. And that's something you could spend a lot of time figuring out, but we probably should move on because we got two more things we want to talk about, right? That's a cool idea, actually. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. But I, I really like this idea. I don't know the answer to it. I mean, it, I feel like but, the... Uh, I really do like it. So maybe we'll... Yeah, I, I just... Sorry, I was just saying, like, I feel like this, um, this conversation is really interesting because it's clearly, like, like something we're trying to figure out, right? Um, it almost is the day-to-day, -day in a way. Like, this is kind of... Not yeah. to rhyme, but yeah. um, this is like what we're trying to figure out. Um, I mean, there's there's obviously a technical portion. I feel like the whole observables conversation is going to be really interesting. But a lot of this is kind of, you know, it's stuff that we're struggling with, um, trying to figure out right now. And it's kind of funny. Uh, I feel like I should have asked her, but my my girlfriend behind us, uh, behind me. Uh, is like actually uh, part of a remote company, and and so I feel like we should have had her on the call. Actually, yeah, fairly, uh, fairly uh, successful. She probably have too. a lot to add to this. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, um, uh, yeah. The other thing. So yeah, that, no, but I think that there's like a huge piece there. Sorry. No, it's okay. The other thing you had to said was like companies that can figure out how to make handle handle this transition. Yeah. That's going to be the the companies that end up surviving this 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 whatever is going on the COVID thing like. There's yeah. going to be a big paradigm paradigm shift, and um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I mean that's a that's actually an opportunity. You know, it is. Um, the only other thing, okay, I want to say one more thing, and then we'll start talking about observables. How's that sound, guys? Is that cool? Okay. I think everybody just froze on me. Oh my god! No, we're still there. Okay, so uh, I guess. Oh, okay, go ahead. Everyone's going to start. Uh, I hear both of you, but I only see okay, yeah. two moving. Oh, oh, we're good. Okay, we're back. Yeah. Do we want to just do closing, like sure. closing thoughts between the three of us, and then? Sure. Yeah, sure. Let's start off. Yeah. Yep. Sure. 
uh, <laughs> I had this, um, like, like, kind of like a lot of realizations talking because I'm like fresh piece about uh, what Tom said to me or was said about like you know being willing to like admit that you don't know what's going on or or try to figure something out is is it's like a hard thing to do as an engineer you're kind of like um, you know you're 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 praised or like prized based on your ability to be right all the time and that's not a valuable asset in a team setting really uh, and I, I I think that for me that's actually pretty pretty apparent like you know um, the best conversations I've had all week are when I was, you know, basically on a call with somebody for like five minutes, mostly Tom, um, but also Ben and the others, like just basically ranting, uh, <laughs> not ranting, but unloading a bit, uh, yeah. just trying to figure out like, kind of like explain the situation. There's that, that emotional piece that's just really hard to get out of the way when you're just sitting, um, on the couch or at your, uh, your house, just trying to figure it out. Um, and I, I think that people can get in their yeah, heads absolutely. a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think what we've got to, for me, is like that communication piece, um, I feel like I really need to nail down. Um, I think the last three days, I've spent probably half to maybe a third of the amount of time that I normally would talking to other people. And I think that I'm kind of realizing more and more that that's how we get our best ideas or how we come to the best conclusions um, is just having a conversation. So that's, that's my biggest takeaway. I think here, a big learning for me and something that I'm going to kind of focus on that and having a schedule because uh, yeah, it's, I, I get a notification every day from my little habit tracker. And I like, as of now, I don't think this entire week I've fulfilled any of my major habits that I kind of try to focus on. And I think scheduling that time in is the only way I'm going to get done. Piazza, did you have some? Those are Matt. Those are really good points. Thanks, man. Um, Piazza, did you have some stuff you wanted? Like closing thoughts on this? Yeah, no. So just you know, the feedback I'm getting from uh, I guess Matt spoke a little bit about you know missing that that piece that's very personal uh, and how remote work takes that away, and so all the things that we sort of all the derivatives of things that we found out from that which is, you know, so the piece about sort of being able to talk to teammates about things about your stress and loading, and then also just leveraging that loading space in, uh, to uh, say, okay, like now that I've unloaded, here are, these are my actual problems, you know, just having someone to listen to, a little bit of rubber ducking. And, and so what that feels, you know, just that piece is, is just missing. So how do you replace that? And now that you're a team lead on a team that's remote, how do you stimulate that environment? Uh, you know, that's, you know, that's a big part of, uh, so that's uh, that's a, resp- a new responsibility that you have to take on now, uh, and, and that just is something that I just didn't know about. I just didn't think about that, um, you know. So I think the team, uh, you know, because if I'm merging that with this idea of you know a company success in this time, it being remote, it makes them more marketable to different kinds of people who are and to a wider group because it's not no longer local. Uh, then the people who you need to hire to do well are the people who can understand that, uh, at least in your leadership roles. Uh, and then if we keep extending that, where you know, where we have a great person who uh, works at Quantum Mom who takes, that, takes on that emotional labor uh, a lot in different ways. Uh, and how do you, how do you, how does everyone do that now? Uh, how does everyone take a little bit piece of that emotional labor? Uh, all the way from, you know, there is engineers, but other people that work in engineering companies, how do they take on that emotional labor? 
So that's from a company point of view, how does a company you know, sort of manage the emotional labor, uh, knowing that everything is remote, knowing that you know, relationships can't really be formed in the same way. Uh, and it just, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, that's sort of what I got from, that was the other half house, you know, that I got in terms of like, sort of, which is of what I've been thinking about, which is how do companies, uh, what kind of company does well in this environment? The thing that, uh, yeah, and I, I just want to add to what you guys just said. <clears throat> I think, um, uh, so one of the, I guess the overall thing that I'm thinking is kind of a, my dog has like got a hairball and she just keeps coughing and it's really distracting. But anyways, okay. she'll be okay. Hey, you're all right. You're a good girl. Okay. When you put an organism or when you put an organization under stress, um, it, it is forced to evaluate its practices. And one of the things we're happening that's happening right now, there was another thing that kind of happened a while ago where there was like one guy at our company that was like, he basically did a bunch of stuff and he disappeared because he was on vacation for a bit and it exposed some lack of process and some things that were being done by one person when they should have been being done by systems. And again, I think when we move from having the luxury of being able to come together in a space and we have to work remotely, it's gonna expose a lack of process. It's gonna expose some things. And what we just surfaced was kind of like this idea that like we're not computers. We're not purely logical thinkers. We, we, our logical capabilities are contingent upon how well we manage our emotions and our health. And she just keeps going with this. Uh, but um, so that idea that the company supports its employees by making sure that the emotional uh, needs of the employees, and like not all the emotional needs, like obviously there's a work-life balance and there's a separation of concerns, but there are stresses that happen inside the workplace and the more effectively we can help and manage and, and deal with those, the better. And if we used to do that just without really thinking about the process, we did it because we just did it like, cause it was just human nature to talk to people and now we can't actually have a conversation. So we have to do remote things like just being aware of that. I think it's something we surfaced today, like just talking about that and like how we, um, act as like rubber duckies for each other or emotional heat sinks or whatever, the, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, it's just, I think um, the faster we, we recognize that there's going to be new challenges, we've got to start thinking about how to deal with those challenges, the better. And then we could actually, just like any stressful situation, usually after a period of reformation, there's a period of renaissance. And there's a period where things suck and we have to we have to tighten up and we really have to you know try to stay positive and stay focused and then there's a period where we enjoy the fact that we learned some new things and we actually evolved a little bit so hopefully that's what it's we perfect see analogy for this for this state that we're in right now reformation yeah. and renaissance yeah the renaissance happened after the bubonic plague no i think so yeah i'm All not right. a student of history well, at I'm least i don't want to okay all right <laughs> so are we, are we going to talk about observables uh, we can, if you, if you want to go do that one first. So, uh, so yeah, so I guess, I don't know. I, I guess I'll just start from the beginning. So just to put you right a on the spot. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, that's okay. It's like, you're so, yeah, so, <laughs> Sorry. So there's, um, there are problems in, so, so JavaScript and, and sort of front end development, generally speaking, uh, has, has, uh, has one very simple problem when it comes to getting data, which is it can come from lots and lots of different places. So uh, there's lot, been lots of uh, sort of 
I, I, would, I would say abstractions. And what I mean by that is just simply uh, sort of different kinds of solutions or different ways of thinking about solving a problem, but all sort of sitting on top of pre-existing uh, sort of technology. Uh, Promises is one of them. Uh, and uh, that's something that essentially uh, would just go grab a single thing. Uh, but there are other uh, problems which, you know, if you have lots of places you have to go grab things from, uh, observables seem to solve that problem. Um, and the, one of the, the problems with promises is that, you know, sort of stitching them together uh, and then handling situations where they fail or they pass or you want a bunch of them to come together and do something or you want to, you want to emit all of them in parallel or in series and sort of just sort of the combinations of them. Are you stacked them together? You start having problems. So observables are, are, are an abstraction to try to solve that. Um, so so yeah so that's just just something that uh that i i've found to be really useful when i'm working uh with lots of different apis uh, so i stitch the calls together uh go so ahead this, um yeah so when you when you talk about like the difference between say like a uh, core yeah. javascript right versus observables um <laughs> one of the interesting things that i'm thinking about is uh like I'm used to using promises and then I treat promises the same way I treat, treat any other data structure. Right. So yeah. I, you know, promise.all given an array or, or like map over some set of data and then yeah, yeah. create some sort of side effect for each one of those. Um, yeah. So I'm wondering like, uh, I guess like how does observables fit into that piece? Like, yeah, is yeah. it a substitute for that or is it like something different, like larger entirely? Um, yeah yeah so so yeah so uh observables the unit of an observable mentally is more like a stream uh mm. and the unit of thinking for promises is just a single call yeah so um if you never even when you do a promise at all you have to wait for all of them to finish mm -hmm. uh, and if any one of them finish and fail then all of them are considered failures Mm -hmm. So there is just there just so the the, I, the way I explain that is sort of confusing because I'm sort of explaining to a two separate things, but mm -hmm. uh, a promise is just simply not a stream. So that's one part of it, and, and you know to stack uh, calls together in in uh, with promises is simply something that you can't you have, that has very little nuance. So uh, you know if you if there's a failure case, there's a problem, or if you wanted to control the order, there's a problem. So, so when, observable sort of comes in and solves it. That makes sense. Um, Go ahead. So when, so one example, like a concrete example that I've seen, and I'm not sure if this is the observable pattern, but just sure. you can help me out to understand better. With Firebase, sure, um, no Firebase, I could, uh, I could wire into the uh, real-time database or the, I think it's a cloud store now. I don't know what it's called right now, but there's a couple of different database options on Firebase. And yeah. one thing, one thing I really liked was basically just a callback that gets triggered on change. So it's just like anytime anything okay. gets updated, I can like check what got updated and then I can filter for whatever I'm looking for and then I can call actions off of that. Um, okay. Is that is that kind of what you're talking about or? Yeah, so it's like I'm understanding again. So you, go ahead. It's like a pub sub pattern. So okay. you have one application that's going to publish events and you have another application subscribing to events and they could actually filter what they want to subscribe to, but it's that kind of pattern. Is that the same thing as observables? Yeah. 
it's sort of yeah it's sort of the same thing yeah exactly like you're just a you're um you're really you are subscribing to something so uh, and something else and what is publishing it is the result of the network uh call basically and then uh so but the way that you can subscribe to different streams of things so you can have multiple things making multiple calls and the result of that can be massaged such that when you get the value for the subscription uh you end up with some combination so you can call you know two different things and you can make it so that uh you will get the last result from the first one and the most recent results so you can basically get the most recent result of any of the two combinations so you can have one that's, that's zero it got called and it resulted in a zero last time and then the one next one is is throwing a one two three four so you'll get a one zero one two uh one zero two zero three zero you know what i mean yeah so, so like let's let's uh, say i'm on tinder because i broke up with my girlfriend and i'm trying to find like a new girlfriend okay and so um okay. <laughs> and uh so I guess what, or maybe, maybe that's not a good example. Yeah, no, it's a good example. Like, so basically I'm going to swipe right on somebody. And so we're that's, hey. I say we're, we're here now anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to swipe right on somebody. And then what's going to happen is um, that, just a sec, sorry, my dog's coughing really bad right now. That's the fourth engineer. Yeah, she's okay. So, um, so what's going to happen is that my client is actually going to be subscribed to a stream. Let's just say we're using Observable. So I've got yeah. a client application and it's going to be listening to a stream. And, yeah. um, let's just say that I've just like, I've just liked some other user. Uh, but you know, I'm still waiting to hear cause they haven't liked me yet, but maybe they're yeah. going to click like 20 seconds from now. And okay. so when, so I'm, so when that happens with an observable pattern, it would be like, if this happens, then you're going to, you're going to look for basically a response. It's not a response because it's an ongoing stream of events and you're filtering for a specific event that you're looking for. And then if that event happens, then you're going to kick off a chain of other events. Does that make sense? Yeah. So almost think about it like your UI in this Tinder case, uh, the people that will, you know, uh, the, there, you have basically two streams of, of options, right? They, there might be two people, uh, two people who may or may not, you know, sort of choose to, to continue the conversation, right? Yeah. So in your case, so uh, you could have it so that one person uh, sort of, let's say they both have accepted, they both have matched sort of, but they, there's the option to not match anymore right you can still do that so but your ui the the front end is just going to get whatever the stream is coming towards you it's just going to give you all the people that like you right 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 so it's not going to it's not really meant to so your your, your front end will get like oh this new person like you let's add to the list of people on your phone that like you you'll just get all the people that like you which will reduce the complexity on your phone yeah right but something has to ha somehow manage that. So uh, what you'll end up having is you'll just get all the people that like you. And then if the last person still likes you, you'll just get their data as well. Mm -hmm. Right. But if, even if, the, if that person now decides uh, to not like you, it'll trigger the stream. 
<laughs> and if the other person still liked you, then you'll you'll just get a zero on that stream, and then you get you'll still get a one on the other stream. If that helps, so it's sort of like it's just triggering any event, but you'll yeah. still get the old information. But the but that's still a stream, so it can trigger. You know what I mean? It's, they're both streams, so they can mm -hmm. trigger the push to you. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that's one. What's one of the things it can do? I, I I know most generally it can just do almost any operation on streams. Period. It can do a filter. It can do uh, sort of uh, sort of I would say like a you can sort of map and you know mutate the stream. Stream. Uh, you can switch the stream to another stream. Uh, you know you can make a call. If this call goes well, then make a different call. Uh, you can do lots of different things, I guess. But I don't know. Hopefully that example helped in terms of uh, just explaining some of the ways that you can you can play with your architecture. I was going to go with like a like button example, but I felt like the Tinder one would be funnier, but uh, I, know. I took a joy from that. <laughs> no, it's okay. By the way, just full disclosure, I'm not, I'm not on Tinder right now. Right now. Jeez. Okay. I'm getting in trouble for that. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll see when it comes down. What uh, do we have anything else to talk about guys? Uh, I mean, um, uh, we were, so we were ahead, talking Matt. about, uh, yeah, we were talking about also talking about like kind of like, I guess cloud, like managing deployments <laughs> in the cloud, uh, or managing infrastructure. Um, so I guess we can kind of just like briefly talk about that want to uh, so somebody want to do like cloud deployment like infrastructure for dummies like the absolute bare minimum that would be really good for like mm -hmm. a medium-sized team yeah yeah uh, that makes sense like i mean like I, I would say like for sure like there, there's like different tiers right like you've you've definitely got where everything is kind of like manual you deploy everything by hand uh whether that's through a, I, I would even say like you've got the gui side of things where you're deploying things completely manually right s3 um ec2 like managing that through the aws console or something like that or, or gcp doing those things resource like managed automatic like on your own and then you've got like kind of the scripted version um like i always think of it as like building up in terms of that kind of style, right? You've got your bare bones, like it's kind of implied that things work and things break really frequently when you're doing things that way, right? Um, if if your entire deployment depends on just things working, then you know you, the deployment environment versus your uh, development environment um, versus your pod environment could be like drastically different, and then that results kind of like in a lot of confusion, even just amongst a single developer. So when you scale out to a team, you need things to be a little bit more consistent. Um, and I think that's a lot of the time that's where things like Docker uh, and Docker Compose come in, where you want to be able to, you know, sorry, like I would say in between that, you, you probably have scripting, um, right? You're scripting out your, your deployments or your system so that you can like use NPM scripts to like run and build and or Python scripts or whatever to, to deploy your system locally as well as in the remote. And then those two things can be very similar. Uh, Cut me off if I'm saying anything that to like, um, you know. No, it's fine. Um, I think you're doing good. Um, yeah, you're doing great. Yeah. Uh, so the one concept is like isomorphic environments is basically like being able to expect mm -hmm. that if something works, like one thing Docker gives you is that idea of isomorphism of like, mm -hmm. you, if I, if it works over, like the, the, the biggest problem with 
not the biggest problem. A large problem in development is when people say, well, yeah. it works on my machine. I don't know why it doesn't work on yours. And this is actually, yeah. uh, well, just as a side note too, uh, like collecting data on this stuff is so valuable because when you're dealing with all these problems, you never really keep track of how much time the tech debt or the lack of proper infrastructure can cause. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes really hard to convince your clients that it's worth spending money on. But, uh, but yeah, just the predictability of deployment, I think is the first problem is like, is this predictable or are there a lot of hidden mm -hmm. uh, configurations and stuff that I've got to navigate? Actually, what do you think? Yeah. And yeah, I think it's absolutely essential. Like coming from like, you have to understand, I think a lot of developers take for granted how little people who are not in development understand what you're doing, but they, they, they have a very hard job in that they have to be able to sort of explain that to whoever needs to hear, um, you know, as many high, as many levels up the chain and, and feel like they're not, uh, they have the flexibility to, to sound like they know what they're talking about. Uh, so mm -hmm. just, and this is, I know it goes back to sort of the communication piece too, but it's super important to not expect sort of a situation where they don't understand, whether it's because they don't have the data or because of lack of due diligence or any of those things. Uh, don't expect that to result in when you really need something that's gonna increase your productivity to result in uh, them being able to willing to push that agenda for you uh, at all, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think the mentality is, you know, why would you make it harder for me to do the job you asked me to do? But, you know, you, and I think this communication and builds trust is like you just, you, you need to have the evidence to build the trust, right? So one thing, yeah, just following on that one point, like so I my started my career in civil engineering and well military engineering but um, one thing that civil engineers have is is codes and they have a long um, a long history with a lot of data about how they build physical buildings and so when you engage a firm to actually construct a building for you you kind of you kind of come in and you're you're told how the process is going to function because nobody's allowed to build a building without complying with the codes that the engineers have been taught how to follow and there's a very good reason for this mm -hmm. and all engineers actually I don't wear one but um, that's a long story but anyway we ha we all wear a ring that reminds us of what happens when we don't follow the process um, and what happens is there's a loss of life so the problem with software engineering is it's the wild west is that we can just do whatever we want. As long as something actually runs, it's okay. I really think in the, last, in the next couple of years, we're going to see a migration to a much more professionalized um, um, way of working where we say, listen, like we just, because I think that the reliability of sites, the reliability of applications, the reliability of the internet is going to become a, matter of like actual national security like it's right. going to be it's okay. going to be like when this what especially with this pandemic going on i didn't really think about this until i just started talking about it but yeah yeah the fact that like you could like look at an application and go this is actually like a sigma whatever application and it is we know that we can count on it to run we used to only extend that level of scrutiny to hospital administration systems air air traffic control systems but 
with the stuff what's going on with COVID, when things start to crash, and they will, um, and we're not able to fix them because it's the Wild West and there's a billion different ways you could build something, I think that there's going to be a lot of pressure to be like, listen, here's, and, and I think like we're all on the same page here. Like we know how to build something correctly. We know how to build something so that we can quickly deal with issues. We know how to set up DevOps infrastructure so that we can actually like correctly move something from a feature into actual production and make sure that it's not going to cause any other like knock on effects or, or you know what I mean? But um, yeah, I, I feel like that's kind of where we're going because the internet is like, it's part of the infrastructure of, of the world. And, and, and so if we can count on it, then that's great. But the only way we're going to count on it is if we actually start to act like the rest of the engineers and actually have like best practices that are not just, this would be good if we could do this, but no, we actually are not allowed to actually like build this until we've actually checked these boxes because there's a very good reason for that. There's a big piece there. I think where, you know, like there's like, there is a lack of standardization across like software engineering and which is odd because it started out as a very like formal kind of environment when it first started really like, there was like a lack of, you know, certain testing features. And then so they built those out. Um, if you look back at like the likes of like Ken Beck and Kent Beck and uh, the whole uh, brother of five gang, or gang of five group, like their whole thing is around testing very specific, like certain right. standards that they follow. Um, but that stuff doesn't really scale to like huge teams. Like it just, it's, it's not that it doesn't scale, rather it's difficult to maintain, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it seems like it's like a very individual practice. Whereas like what you're describing is like, you know, a formalized kind of agreement between all of the engineers that this is the way we do it. And right now there isn't really that sort of system um, established in like a lot of different, like especially between say like agencies and product companies, every product company does it the same, like their own way. And mm -hmm. they build their own systems, they build their own tooling. And I think like, depending on this, the, the environment that you're in, like say Google, you know, they've developed a very specific, very strict kind of like set of guidelines and um, same with all these big companies where they're, 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 they're doing things that the way that they think uh, is best practice. Um, and we're kind of in a, uh, a different environment where we're working in services, right? So we're working with different clients who have, perhaps their own way of doing things, but they're also taking advice from us. And so we can kind of maybe like learn across different projects. Um, but it's, it's, I think like getting the whole community in general, where you've got like certain engineers in different environments um, with their own standards that they're developing as they go. Uh, it is kind of the wild west. Uh, unionize all the software. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Yes. Yeah, we should do this. So I, yeah, I think I think what people are, people are going to be get very tired of having to get an email from their email provider about how their emails are everywhere else. Mm. So I think you know, and there's different. Obviously, there's less morbid. There are more morbid versions of the consequences of that sort of way of building things where there's just not enough security. But I think mm. yeah, absolutely, it's just clear that it's too. It seems too easy to sort of bypass regulations set by companies who've spent millions on making sure those regulations exist and you know it's very easy you know software is very easy to just disregard it sort of the things that are the right way to do uh it's very free creating and you know sort of if 
if if we're talking about civil engineering, it's if it's going to be the, the 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 failures of software are in small pieces. Oh, I lost you there for a second. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Can you hear me? Yeah. So, so yeah, so like to, the, the 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 dramas of internet failures are, are, are a lot more subtle, but they you know, as as the internet becomes more ubiquitous, it's definitely gonna be more clear. So yeah, yeah so we'll see. We'll see how what happens and how people behave. But um so it's like, just gonna no longer be expected to just go, oh come on, just build it quickly and like we'll see. It's like no, like we it's just the enemy expectation that you really have to do it the right way. So, so uh, just like, uh, just to throw like just a monkey wrench into the whole conversation. Um, yeah. They're, they're trying to keep school kids at home. They're trying to keep them all calm, calm and happy. So what if TikTok just goes down? Uh, well then there's no hope. Uh, Tom. There's no hope. So what I'm saying is that you've got this you got this application that's keeping people entertained, that's keeping them socially distanced, it's keeping them in their houses, it's keeping them quarantined. So nobody's ever like if we built a bridge, there'd be a bunch of inspectors that would make sure that it would it was you know properly built. Uh-huh. What I'm saying is TikTok is so much more important to national security right now than a fucking bridge. But, no, like but nobody's like grocery delivery services. Grocery delivery services. Like Uber, like none of these things have actually been, and I'm not a guy that likes to push for, uh, and I don't have a platform, so nobody would care what I think anyways, but I guess I'm just trying to say like, this is something I think we should think about is, um, are we, you know, maybe it's an opt-in thing where it's like you get, I don't know. It's just an idea. It's just an idea is like, are we, Yeah. because it's, it, the problem is you can't really build a building without a building inspector coming around and being like, hey, what are you doing? But you can launch a site yeah, yeah. and you could get a million users and you can generate a bunch of revenue, you can raise a bunch of funding, and no government body is ever gonna like check in on you and be like, What are you doing? Sorry. So I have I have an interesting idea. So I think, you know, one of the complex one of the things about software is the degree to which it affects the you know, sort of the hierarchy of our reality is very shallow. So mm-hmm. uh, at least for now. So like we build websites. We build, I mean, not to, not everywhere, but, you know, sort of the ways the VCs the that we know about Facebook, Google, um, Google, not so much, but it, it definitely took a thin layer. It just optimized the way that we are able to receive information, but that's just optimizing information technology in and of itself. Yeah. Yep. So Email, search, news. Email. Yeah, exactly. That's just uh, sort of an optimization on, on on that sort of thing, on the, just the, the information strata within and of itself. But there's lots of stratas underneath uh, that information technology is slowly eating, right? So, and eliminating middlemen uh, for different sorts of businesses, like sort of Uber, for example, is mm-hmm. sort of eliminating the taxi, eliminating what it meant to get a taxi, right? It was once a call, now it's an app. But it's just like taking that piece that was. It completely changed it, yeah. But all it really did was take that piece where you have to make a phone call and have someone tell the taxi driver and make it so that it's just uh, it's just you now so that's all it did to just take that inform- that piece that required information and optimize it and made it more efficient for a business so, all so you're it- saying it's probably not a huge you're probably saying like people will fall back to the thing they used to do before no no, no. I'm, what i'm saying is that, that if, if information technologies does that for different str- like that strata of society is a little bit higher or a little bit more concrete 
than because what it did it took away sort of telephones right it affected the business of making of making mm-hmm. calls right so and what it meant to right. make right so th- what happened with facebook is really just it's just on the information strata now there's the phone call strata now there's this one that one right it's yeah. just going to keep going down if, you know until like it if tesla is using software the way that it, it's affecting energy right like so yeah, yeah. if it affects the way that we if, if we have a distributed system of energy then we have a software system that manages that and so you need that to be very accurate because it's just really important to know that you, you, there's no, if you befuddle those numbers, you have a huge problem from the whole economy. So there is a mm-hmm. need for, there actually is a need for a government body to come in and say, no, seriously, like how much energy is this? So I think as it keeps going down uh, in the strata uh, in terms of what you're, what you're building, and then I think that's when the regulations come, right? So I don't know if that made sense, but I think I'm sort of trying to create a, showing a scenario where, where these things matter, like where these regulations matter. Uh, so I think it's, I think it's just sort of that, that's where the equation is. That's sort of where, where those regulations have to be. Uh, and then as it affects more and more like medicine and these are like really, really concrete yeah. bodies, that's where it's going to just sort of rise up where it's, it's, there's just an expectation. It's just, you just cannot have a situation where the plane goes left when it was supposed to go right. Uh, because you built it in, because you built it in a language this. Yeah and you thought you wanted to do it quick for your new business right like if you we just can't afford you for you to do that so i, I um, almost wonder so if we'll like the, the controls don't necessarily have to be at the language level though right like i i think that like the major con like contribution that say like a google and a netflix like these organizations have kind of provided us is there's a different level of standardization across mm-hmm. applications um and it's not necessarily like what i think is the future is almost like there's a combination between code and no code, right? Um, No code being like the WordPress or the WYSIWYG of the world. Um, But it could also extend beyond that where, you know, you've got your infrastructure, you've got your deployment systems, like all of that kind of controlled in a way that doesn't rely on the developer to make smart decisions as an individual. Um, There's all these organizations right now, like that's, that's what I think, like what we were talking about, we've talked about this a lot of the time, actually. Uh, mm-hmm. with GCP, right? It's like you're almost paying them to make the smart decisions for you and to manage yeah, the deployments yeah, yeah. In, the, in the right way, but you're paying yeah, yeah. an additional fee, right? And I think that there's like a lot of these open source standards where like you can use a Kubernetes deployment or cluster, uh, not to get in like the weeds yeah, yeah. with that, but like, you know, you can connect to third-party services and you can manage and health check those services and, and monitor those yeah, yeah. Without, the, without the system as a whole break right? Your email service goes down, yeah, yeah. you're sending error reports, but you don't necessarily, like, you know, if your authentication system has a flaw with it, you don't all of a sudden break every single piece of the architecture, right? It's yeah, everything's right. decoupled. You've got these tiny little pieces. And eventually, I think, like, the individual idea of, like, contrib- contributing code is going to come down to you're just orchestrating all these pieces, right? You've got these individual services and I kind of, we're kind of at that place right now where we've got like Firebase and, and all of these different tools where you've got like little tiny pieces that solve problems that people have been trying to solve for years. And, you know, we got there with like mm-hmm. Node.js, like Ruby on Rails, like these like yes. individual packages. And we've kind of, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, not to go off on a tangent, but I feel like we've, yeah, yeah. you know, we've been building these layers over time. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And I, I, I'm interested to see like kind of where the future of that goes, right? I, I think that there's, uh, you know, a lot of, yeah, no worries. No, no, so I, I, I yeah. get what you're saying with that 100%. I think that's still true. I think both those things are probably happening in parallel. But I think yeah. just the very nature of what you're saying, it, it'll make, it'll push it so that those people in those spaces have to do shallower and shallower work. Yeah. So, because that's what you're asking for, right? You're I wouldn't for, think you know, that it's shallower work necessarily. I mean, it, you're not going to be working, like imagine that you're not going to be working on the graphics and like the graphics card yeah. integration, sure. but you're going to be building the video game, right? Like if you had to program every bit register by hand, we wouldn't be yeah, able to build yeah, the yeah. systems we have today. And I that's, think we've that's... kind of getting to the point where, oh, sorry. No, it's okay. Um, yeah, I, I just think that we're getting to the point where we have these different layers of things that we can kind of orchestrate. So, and okay, then so I think that my mind of it is that the guys. engineer becomes an actual engineer. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, uh, there's just one side note, and I'm, just, I'm not going to explain it very much, but uh, go ahead. You have to, yeah, sorry. Okay, no, no, just very quickly. Like, I think what I'm more, so when we get to the point where we have to have regulation, then we, we, what we're really saying is that we have to have some level of correctness, right? Yeah. So yeah. That's really what we're saying. We're just like, this has to be 100% or someone might not live anymore. Yeah. So uh, at the point where you're building a game or, or doing something where you have a lot of creativity, just flexibility to be incorrect, then you're not going to have the things we've talked about. So there is that side of it, which so is the, okay. So what I mean by The game example is... is, is a specific example, but uh, like what I'm, but what I'm kind of like getting at is that like these crucial systems that we want to maintain, I think there is like a, a, an idea of end-to-end -end correctness. And part of that lies in taking out the decision-making from the individual, right? Like you've got these pieces that you orchestrate and connect like Lego blocks. Yeah. I, I get that, I get that. Then, okay, guys, we got to actually wrap up because um, we could Sorry. probably end up talking. This is a really interesting idea that we could have a lot of opinions on. I have some opinions too. I'm just going to hold mm -hmm. on to them for now because- uh, Let's make pretty, an episode just talking about I mean, this, I actually, of yes, the standardization of the web, whatever. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, one thing I would say was just like, maybe somebody should come in and just like look at the impact of the application. And if it is just a game, if it's just like Candy Crush, you know, 7.0, then maybe we don't need to get a governing body involved. Maybe they can do whatever, however exactly. the they want. If it's uh, Uber, then maybe at some scale, maybe there's a point at their scale where you go, wait a minute, before, before you can do an IPO, you need to do a tech PO. You know, you need to actually yeah. like, you know, something like that. And exactly. I don't know. I think that just the fact like that we're for talking. For example, someone makes a call to an Uber driver, and then there's a problem that one can one can imagine. How do, and that call gets lost. That's a law. That's a law problem. Now. Yeah, yeah. If so, you ever tried to contact Uber support, it's it's, it's not it's not like worth worth your time. I've paid about anyway. All right, guys. Um, I think those all really interesting ideas. I actually think each one of the things we talked about today could be its own podcast, or we could actually do a bunch of articles uh about it because uh we're really and i think one of the opportunities here too with the pandemic is we're really starting to like just take a look at me personally i kind of had like a little like reflection on my life and i'm like hey like am i really doing what i want to do like am i really happy like what can i do you know like so anyways um yeah yeah so my point is that i don't yeah so just to sum up guys uh i think uh 
it was pretty interesting. I hope everyone out there that's listening found some entertainment from this. Had a couple beers while they were listening. And uh, I think we've got a lot of, like the one thing I really loved about this episode, I think is that we did a really good job of like just surfacing some new ideas that we really don't know what the fuck we should do about, but we know they're gonna be problems. And that's the first step, right? Is when we're gonna get through this period of tumultuous transformation, is just if we can try to stay ahead of the problems and try to look forward and try to figure out like what can, what should we be solving for, then I think we're gonna get through this in a much better state. We're gonna come out, everything's gonna be all right. I hope. All right. Anyway. <laughs> um, all right, well, on behalf of the engineers drinking beers and a little bit of Jameson, because it was St. Patty's Day last night, I uh, just wanna say thanks for everyone for listening. You guys have any parting yeah. thoughts or? Uh, stay safe, guys. Wash your hands. Wash your fucking hands. Support your local businesses. Wash your hands and don't isolate yourself too much. Talk to people. Yeah. Talk to people. Right in the sand. Yeah. All right. And do elbow touches. Have a great night. Yeah. Elbows. Everybody. Right. Okay. Okay. Elbows in. Elbows in. There you go. See you guys. Bye. Here we go. Okay, I'm gonna stop recording.